Good morning. We are here with Radio. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a, another exceptional guest, Deacon Eller. Uh, we are Father David Richter. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Deacon, we um, are speaking to you, and uh, can you give us a little background of what town we're, we're speaking to you in? You're in sure. Minnesota, right? I'm here in Duluth, Minnesota, of communications for the Oops. Diocese of Duluth and also the editor of the Diocesan newspaper, and I'm a, a deacon as well at one of our local parishes, St. Benedict. Wow, you're wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, uh, <laughs> you, um, uh, in all these hats, uh, we have an article that we've read about, and it's titled, What We Need Most Now is Mercy, God's Love Where We're Hurting. We have a lot of people hurting in the world these days. We can't just say um, we're good old United States right now today and, and uh, we need to worry about the third world countries. We're, we need to worry about everybody. So um, you, uh, you have a little insight for us on this. And uh, you also um, have, say, have a saying here, mercy, it's both receiving it and granting it. Can you talk to us yeah. about that? We'd be happy to. Yeah, I mean, it, the the experience of mercy, I think, is one of the one of the most beautiful things as human beings that we get the privilege of having. Right? I mean, we we experience mercy in the way that we are able to give it to others when we are able to forgive with them when they've wronged us, when we're able to be with them in their need, when we can help them with something, when we can even just listen to someone and grant them understanding and the gift that that is to them. And then, of course, when we receive it, too, you know, the ways that we receive mercy from God and the way we receive mercy from others, where somebody may forgive us or may understand us when we feel like we haven't been understood, when they may help us out when we're in the midst of need. It is just one of the truly beautiful human experiences that, we, that we're privileged to have. And, of course, it's central to our faith, right? I mean, that's why the Lord Jesus came and led to his death was to reconcile us to God and to bring mercy. And so it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, excellent, Deacon. Um, you're 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 a deacon. I know that, but you're a permanent deacon, right? You're married and have Correct. children. Yeah. In fact, I just celebrated yes. my twenty fifth wedding anniversary this last, last week. So, well, congratulations. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, well, it. Uh, I, I grew up with uh, 13 brothers and sisters, and uh, mercy was most needed in our house. So uh, this is a great topic uh, for everyone, and especially families. As a priest, I've been a priest 20 years now. Um, what, what I first found as a pastor was the real um, loss of the sense of family foremost as a parish, but even in the family life in our, our culture today. And so um, would you uh, touch on perhaps a little of your own, uh, um, maybe some advice you could give to other fathers and, and households of, of what mercy looks like in family life? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and that's, of course, the first place we do encounter those things, right? Especially when we're kids, but also when we're parents, and we may, you know, have a have a 
disagreement with our, our kids or with our spouse or things like that. And I know, at least in marriage, one thing I would say is sometimes I've found the ability to offer it up something powerful, you know, because often our first response is to be defensive if we have, like, let's say, a disagreement with our spouse. We may be defensive and we want to point out why the other person's wrong or those kinds of things, but often if we can just accept where that person is at that moment and even offer up the suffering that you're experiencing from whatever the perceived injustice is for that person in that moment, it can be a very powerful way to just take a step back and allow allow mercy to come in. And it's not a matter of, you know, necessarily agreeing with whatever is happening that you think is wrong, but it's just of giving that person the grace to allow them to have a little space and to say a prayer for them in that moment. I think that's a very powerful way. I've, I've often experienced that myself where that just changes the situation entirely. It changes the whole tone of the conversation. So that would be an example. And I, and I think being willing to come and apologize and say that we're sorry. You know, if I've lost my temper with one of my kids or something like that, there's that need to go back and say, you know, yeah. what you did was wrong, but what I did also was wrong, and I need to say I was sorry for that. And so I think those are ways that we can extend that. Excellent. Uh, I, I'm fully in agreement. Sometimes the greatest thing to do is to do nothing except have goodwill for the other. That is mercy. Yep. Um, And and then to be able to be humble enough to admit when you've been wrong, especially the children. I think as a son, as a brother, um, the the bigger thing was when somebody recognized that they did something and admitted it. Um, And I also uh, learned something that I used to say, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, no problem. Mm. And it was a problem. And I finally learned to say, Oh, thank you. That did hurt. But now, now, right, exactly. Yeah. And so, there's so that. if there's a, a wound, wound in our heart and we don't admit it, it's hard for it to heal. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So recognizing that something wrong has happened is important, too. And that's, that's a way that we can allow God's grace into it as well, because if we deny it, then we're sort of cutting that off. Exactly, exactly. Excellent. So, Deacon, as a lay person um, myself, um, <clears throat> what I, 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 I uh, like your Psalm 85, where, where you uh, talk about speaking of God's mercy. Um, mercy and faithfulness have met, just in, justice and peace have kissed or embraced that you know we find that in the bible that last word in in exchanged um depending on where you're reading um and you chose the word embraced there um and i think what father david and father or and deacon what you're talking about is i i get that sense of embracement we we need to embrace that we did something wrong or something is going wrong for somebody else and right. to reach out and embrace that and and give that mercy uh it's not yeah. always an easy path and it's not always recognizable um how, how can we help people to recognize that or help them to see that we are genuine about the mercy that we do want to give you know i think one thing is that we need to recognize the necessity of it you know there's so much mercilessness in our society right now 
um, at, at many levels of society where people have, in their hearts at least, seem to have kind of foreclosed the possibility that they'll ever be reconciled with certain people or certain groups of people, and just maintaining a recognition that that's not a hopeful way forward, that we need to have an openness to, to reconciliation with people where we have a division or we have a disagreement. Um, and being open to that can help. And then just recognizing, too, that often that forgiveness, I, I find, is a process. You know, you, it, it's very helpful, I think, to go and pray for the good of that person who you're hurt by, to go and just sincerely, as sincerely as you possibly can, just pray for their good, not even for their repentance or anything like that, although you can do that, too. But, I mean, just pray for their good, you know, and that tends to open the heart to mercy. But then you may have to do that again the next week if you're a brooder and a melancholic like me. That may be something you have to do over and over again to go back and continue to do that when those feelings arise again. Just to renew that sense of mercy and willing that person's good. Yes. Jesus, when he was asked how many times should we forgive mm-hmm. or be forgiven, he said 70 times 7. And I, I yep. when I read that, uh, Mother Angelica's words ring in my head that it's not one time that we do that. It's daily that we do right. it 70 times, seven times. <laughs> and, and conversely, Father, there's that danger. I, I mentioned in the column the, the uh, parable of the unforgiving servant, right, who was forgiven yes. this great thing by his, this great son by his master, but then couldn't forgive the one who owed him a little bit, and how tempting that can be for us not to recognize in ourselves, and how we foreclose mercy for ourselves when we do that. Yes. Um, So, uh, Deacon, uh, Kyle, when we come back, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, uh, we will share uh, on the other side of the break a little bit of humility, talking about humility in in having mercy and receiving mercy. Um, Do you think you can talk with us on that? Sure. Okay, so uh, if ever, if you're all just joining us this morning on this beautiful, glorious Transfiguration uh, morning, we are with Father David Richter at St. John the Apostle Church in Minot, North Dakota, and this is Lori Leffer, and you can find us on your website at yourcatholicradiostation.com and the wonderful app that we've got. Connect that up into uh, all of your gadgets. And, uh, uh, you know, Father David, I don't know, do you wear a, a watch, that, uh, uh, like an Apple Watch or a gizmo? Yeah, it's a Fitbit. So. Oh, only a Fitbit. Yeah, yeah. You can't so do I it can't, talking. And, nope. Oh, okay. Well, if anyone has uh, any knowledge of how that works, if you can put an app on there and do all that good stuff. I, I'm not there yet, but I'm experiencing it. My we will uh, be talking about humility in all this and uh, my humbleness to learn with all the apps and the gadgets, too. <laughs> Father David, do you have any words of wisdom there? Well, let's, uh, after break, we'll okay. answer that. Thank you. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Radio Live. Uh, We're on the phone with Deacon Kyle Eller from Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, He's a permanent deacon, husband, father, and uh, the, the director of the communications for the diocese. We've been talking a bit about uh, mercy and what the world needs and where we're hurting. And uh, at we're, this next segment, we're going to kind of talk about humility and, and perhaps uh, what was learned in this COVID time. Uh, good deacon, would you uh, share a little bit on humility, how that connects with mercy, and maybe even what you've seen uh, during this COVID where the busy life has slowed down and families had to be at home together. What, what have you seen? What have you experienced? And how would you bring humility into all of this? Yeah, I think humility is, is key to that, right? Because it's the acknowledgement that I could be wrong, the, the acknowledgement that at times I have been wrong, uh, the willingness to do that, which takes takes our you know it hit, takes a hit to our pride when we have to say that when i when i have to say i didn't handle that very well or when i have to say you know i'm not coping very well even right now with all the things that are going on and the uncertainty and the anxiety and the ability to you know especially in our very divided political climates and all the things that we experience especially through social media if you're on that um just the humility to recognize that somebody else might disagree with us in good faith even if they're wrong that there's a lot of room for that and to just kind of grant them the mm. the grace of kind of 
loving them where they are, even if you hope to have them come some way toward toward a truth of the faith, for instance, or something like that. But to, to respect that if people that people have a certain right to begin where they are, as Father Jacques Philippe says. Um, so that humility to grant that grace to others is really important, I think. And then the humility to accept in ourselves that we're weak and that we stumble and that we fall and we make mistakes, and to allow God to have mercy on us in those things as well is really important. Excellent. Yeah, there go I but for the grace of God, right? Yeah, and too often there go I, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that... that uh, it's the world is it's so simple jesus says love one another and when one feels loved um the receptivity increases immensely if one feels like they're a problem to be fixed and treated that way very little happens and so uh my brother who's my brother who's a priest uh um uh, made a statement uh, uh, one time that uh, if if you need your your spouse or you want your spouse to change, if you're going to try to make it happen, it usually doesn't. But if in faith you accept them as they are and love them as they are, more than likely the change will happen. So I, I think that's a great uh, uh, kind of little motto to give to families um, into spouses, uh, and I think it would work well for our political parties and members too in our yeah. our culture today. What do you think? I, I think yeah, that's that's very true. And there's a beautiful echo there, isn't there, of what Saint John writes in his first letter about God's love for us being first, right? That His love comes first, and because we're loved, then we're able to love Him in return. So I think that's a beautiful way that we can image God in our relationships to show that love to someone unconditionally and to just love them and accept them where they are. Not, again, as, you know, that we're opposed to somebody converting or don't, or don't will it, but that we, that we love them where they are because they have a certain right to start there. And it's the love of God that comes that actually enables us to be lovable. Yes. Um, that to be able to be lovable, that is exactly um, that humility allows us to be lovable and uh it's um <clears throat> kind of uh ends up when we start living that path that we um have some divine intervention going on there mm-hmm. uh don't, yep. don't you think tinkin yeah yeah and, father uh, father had asked you know about the experience of people during COVID and the the lockdowns and yeah. quarantines and all those things and i think that's very true you know we've experienced um often being thrust into closer relationships than maybe we've been used to, even with the people in our own household where we're working from home or doing those kinds of things. And and so we do bump into each other a little bit more than maybe we're accustomed to. Kids aren't in school. They're not out doing their sports or all those kinds of things necessarily the way they used to. And so that's been a great in a lot of ways because it does slow us down and it does renew those relationships and remind us of what's important. But it also does bring us into encounter with our weaknesses and their weaknesses and our brokenness and their brokenness. And so it's really become, if we, I think, accept the grace to a kind of a school of love for us to learn how to love each other better. Oh, I love those words, the school of love. Um, I haven't heard those words for a long time, Um, but that's true. You know, we kind of are in a little bit of a school of love right now. Yeah, I I, I think... um 
I, I, I don't know much, but um, I try to put simply what what is stirring in my heart. And, and uh, to think that COVID is not the will of God is a faulty understanding because then I can resist it, complain about it, and not enter into it. God's providing an opportunity for us during this time to get our life in order, our family in order, our country in order. And if we keep fighting and saying this isn't God's will, uh, why is it happening? Is it a good thing? No, probably not. It's a bad thing, but it's still under his permissive will to have it. So I would encourage, uh, I encourage my people to say, okay, God, this is your will what do you want to do for me here? What's the beauty that you're going to bring out of this? And if we start doing that and we start saying, well, maybe go visit your neighbor or be kind to them or, or spend time with your children. Talk about real and important things, not just timetables and where you have to be. And uh, I, I, I think that's a simple way to approach this reality that is undesirable, but yet God wanting to do something beautiful it wasn't desirable to have to flee to egypt as herod murdered all the little (laughs) kids but god's will was fulfilled in that am i crazy mystery of god's providence right (laughs) no i think you're right on father that's that mystery of god's providence that even in the things that to us look terrible he can bring good out of them and, and does will to bring good out of them for us if we're open to it I mentioned Father Jacques Philippe earlier. He's kind of a, if you're not familiar with him, he's a pretty popular spiritual writer. And he has this uh, beautiful principle that he gives of consenting to God's will, even when we don't have a choice, if that makes sense. Um, There are things like COVID that are going to come into our lives where there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of doubt of what's going to happen. And our temptation, and I, I will admit that I'm, I'm one who succumbs to this very readily, is to be anxious and to be worried about planning everything and figuring out what's going to happen next, um, when really, if we embrace the ch- the, what God has chosen for us, if we consent to it, even though we don't have a choice about it, it opens us up and it frees us to be able to accept it and to find where God's at work in it and to find where He wants us to grow in it. And even if our power to do something to affect the world and to help our nation and all that is small, even those little loaves and fishes like we heard in the Gospel last Sunday, you know, those are things that God can take and multiply if we start to do that in our lives. And to do that, they said at the end of my column, I think, you know, that, that maybe our little leaven will, will leaven the whole loaf. Yes. And and you put it so beautifully. I, it's... Um you leave me speechless sometimes, <laughs> but you know, um, you you had mentioned Deacon um, Father uh, Philippe, yeah, um, Jacques. Jacques Philippe, and yeah. um, he's amazing. He's great. He really yeah. is, and I I encourage anybody that is listening today that if uh, you want to, that is one book besides. Um, yeah. uh, was it St. Ignatius that we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, uh-huh. Father Gallagher has great books on yep. discernment, and Jacques Philippe, uh, yeah, I, I love reading his works, and he has a bunch of books about prayer, mm-hmm. about compassion, uh, about uh, surrender and trusting God, and so those are great materials. Yeah, and, and they're very easy on the eyes. Yeah, it, one in particular not... that I would, I would mention for people for this time is a tiny little book called Searching for and Maintaining Peace. 
And yep. that's, a, yep. that's a terrific little book for, for these times, I think. Yep. It is. It is. So. Uh, you mentioned, I, I wanted to close with uh, this before we go to break, uh, Good Deacon, um, about uh, uh, wanting the good of others. Uh, when I was in seminary, there was a classmate that I just didn't really like, struggled to like. <laughs> and my, my spiritual director said, this is what I want you to do. Say, God, uh, give so-and-so every gift you know he needs, and then give me eyes and a heart to see him and love him the way you do. And if you pray that seriously, uh, within a short time, something will change. About a week later, we sat at a lunch table and got to know each other, and I'm like, you're not as bad a person as I thought you were. And we became friends. Amen. So, Thanks be to God. <laughs> So anyway, um, it's just a little prayer that I wanted to share, and it's what you said. And, and I want to thank you for your time and, and your wisdom and your great words. Uh, and uh, we got to cut out here. So God bless you, Deacon Kyle Eller, and we'll talk to you again, I hope, sometime soon. Thank you. <laughs>